Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we are talking about a hot topic in our culture today, self-care. Is self-care something we should be doing as believers? What is a healthy biblical view of self-care and how can we do it? We'll answer these questions and talk about practical ways to find true rest and refreshment no matter our circumstances. We hope you'll listen in. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie. Hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. So <laughs> uh, we uh, we definitely have a very hot topic to cover today. Um, we are going to be talking about self-care. I feel like that's very in right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but before we jump in, um, I would love to talk a little bit about some of our favorite things. So, Stephanie, do you have a favorite thing from this week to share? Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, TGC uh, 2019. So TGC mm. stands for the Gospel Coalition, and they had their national conference this past week. And my husband and I were blessed to be able to go for the first time ever. Um, we have been huge supporters of TGC for years, but never had the chance to actually go in person. So mm, I'm was, so jealous. Yeah, it was a tremendous blessing, honestly. And the first time that we left our little ones and, and thank God oh, yeah, for my big. in-laws. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But it was such a feast, you know, just worshiping with thousands of people um, and learning from pastors and theologians that, you know, our family looks up to and loves. And mm. yeah, I highly, highly recommend, you know, budgeting throughout the year to be able to go. go. So yeah. TGC is actually every other year. So next year is okay. TGCW. So it's the Women's Conference and it's June mm -hmm. 11th through 13th in Indianapolis. And like literally start saving your pennies now to go because <laughs> it will be worth it. <laughs> uh, I've never been, but I, I really, really want to. So hopefully I can make it to the women's one next year. We need to go yes. together. Yes. How about you? So uh, this past week was spring break for a lot of the local schools. Yeah. But because of that, my nieces and nephews were out of school. So we got to go and see a children's production of The Wizard of Oz um, in a theater in Atlanta. And it was so fun. And I was nervous because my daughter is 22 months old and it was a 90 minute production. And I had no idea how it was going to turn out. <laughs> but she loved it. It Aww. was so funny. They had like the little uh, puppet Toto and she would like yell at the puppy every time it came on and when it would leave she'd be like puppy where are you that's adorable so she has a future in theater I think that's true she has some flair mm -hmm. <laughs> all right well today like Joanna said we are tackling a bit of an infamous topic I feel like um, the topic mm -hmm. of self-care and you know we've all been there we're busy working in and out of the home taking care of those around us juggling all of the responsibilities and then all of a sudden days go by and then weeks and we're suddenly feeling a bit burned out and mm -hmm. you know we realize that we've been ignoring our physical and emotional health in the midst of the hustle so we feel like we need or deserve some time off because you know we don't want to crash so we move right. mountains to have a girl's night away or we splurge on a new outfit or a pedicure or a massage or whatever else it may be for you in the name of self-care and if you're anything like me, then you might feel a little bit guilty and maybe even <laughs> feel shame. Um, mm. So after that, we just jump back on the wheel and keep running until we hit the next wall and have to stop. So I don't know if that resonates with anyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, it resonates with me for sure. But, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like you hear that word self-care all the time, right? Yeah, and yeah. so you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what exactly is that? And, you know, I think that we can kind of say, that self-care 
is basically taking intentional steps to cultivate your own physical, mental, and emotional health. Um, And I feel like one of the quickest ways that you can kind of see what the popular understanding of a topic is, is to go search it on Pinterest. (laughs) And I did that. And I went and I did a Pinterest search for self-care. And like you see endless lists of like 50 ways to do self-care or, you know, like all these different things. And it's like, here's self-care for your physical, for your emotional, like all of these different things. And there were a lot of repeats. Um, So some of the frequent appearances included things like taking a bubble bath or exercising. Um, Meditation was a big one. Positive affirmations. There was journaling, getting a massage, reading a self-help book, Uh, decluttering an area of your home was actually a pretty (laughs) frequent one too. Um, Or going on a getaway, whether that's like a vacation for a week or a weekend or just like a night or an hour away. But I did kind of see one common theme and there were a lot more than that. But there was kind of one common theme that tied them all together. And it was all about Mm -hmm. what we'd call quote unquote me time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's kind of the impression that I get when I just think of that word Um, Mm self-care. And, you know, on the surface, it may not even sound wrong, right? Like exercising and journaling, there's nothing really wrong with that or taking a bath. And so we're absolutely for taking care of ourselves physically and emotionally. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that can even be a good means of proper stewardship to what the Lord has entrusted to us. And it's also recognizing and yielding to limits that have been ordained by God. Um, And, you know, when we apply the gospel to our beliefs and convictions about self-care, we're discovering a healthy biblical view of self-care. So it's just saying, like, we want to talk about what, where are we going wrong when we talk about self-care? Because inherently, there's nothing wrong with it, right? And so Mm. that's kind of what we want to dig into today. Yeah. And we definitely do want to strike that kind of balance or find that sweet spot because, you know, I think that when we hear words like self-care, our tendency can be to have like really strong feelings one way or the other. Yeah. Like on the one side, you can be like, yes, self-care. It's so important. Everybody go and take time for self-care. Or we might have like a much more critical perspective um, mm. which may or may not have been my perspective oh, <laughs> of me like <laughs> eye rolling and seeing it as like some like selfishly trendy thing. But I really don't think it's that cut and dry. I mean, okay, let's think about Jesus, who is our model for all things. Right. Um, you know, we see a lot of examples of him going away in order to pray um, in order to rest, um, or like in order to enjoy meals with friends, right? Um, so we kind of see what we might think of as like self-care here with Jesus. But, you know, on the flip side, we also see a lot of instances where Jesus continues to serve and to give despite his own fatigue or despite the pressures that are coming against him. Mm -hmm. Um, So like in Matthew 14, he actually does withdraw from a crowd. He has this crowd coming and he goes and gets in a boat and gets away from the crowd, but the crowd follows him. And it says in Matthew 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them Mm -hmm. and healed their sick. And so, you know, even, even when he was withdrawing, he allowed himself to be interrupted in order to serve and to to love and to have compassion and care for those people around him. So we even see it's not like this one or the other cut and dry kind of thing with Jesus, who's our model. So clearly we need to think through this topic, I think on more than just a surface level. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of in the same boat of, as you of thinking like, oh no, self-care I'm totally against that. You know, that's like my self-righteousness there too. But even thinking about Jesus and the model that he created of resting, you know, he was fully man and fully God. Yet, like you said, he took time in his public ministry to um, withdraw and pray and fellowship. And so obviously, if he did it, how much more should we? Um, Hmm. But in a culture where busyness is glorified, like 
it's almost countercultural to regularly and intentionally pause and rest. And yeah. Uh, we just have to realize that like doing so is actually recognizing God-given limits for us and it's for our good. And, you know, when we don't engage in self-care, we're actually leaning on self-sufficiency and mm. we're actually kind of trying to make ourselves these little G gods. Because we are human, though, we need to practice self-care in the sense of tending to our basic human needs like sleep and proper nutrition and all of those things and yeah if we want to obey his commands like loving our neighbors as ourselves we need those basic needs met so that we can you know care for and serve others yeah however just as we said last week in the social media episode it's not that self-care is sinful in and of itself we're inherently sinful so there's this tendency to abuse the practice of self-care and to not take time to rest can be a form of pride, I think. Um, yeah. And I, you know, when I say that, I think of kind of like busy moms. And literally, I feel like stay-at-home moms are like the busiest people on the planet. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. <laughs> they manage households and kids' schedules are often filled to the brim these days. And then the, it's the moms that really have to help manage and as, execute their schedules on top of the kids' schedules and all of these things. And, oh, you know, yeah. if we're not careful, we can fall into this kind of idea of being a mom martyr. And it's just because mm -hmm. somewhere along the line of our serving, we begin to, like, puff up our chests and feel self-righteous about all that we're doing. And that's when our heart's posture is just kind of one of pride. And it doesn't look to God to run the universe. You know, our prideful hearts look to ourselves to kind of set and meet schedules for all things related to life. And I think that's where it could go wrong. And so I'm really excited to kind of dig in a little deeper, like you said, and figure out, you know what, hey, what is a healthy biblical view of self-care and how can we do it? Yeah. Isn't it so interesting how much of our sin problems go back to just like wanting to be God? <laughs> you know, like that idea yeah. of like wanting to be self-sufficient like you were talking about and like only God is self-sufficient but I'm like I'm really guilty of living out of this kind of pride of like oh no like I can do it but you know we all fall into this idea that we have to hold everything together or else it's all gonna fall apart right it's that mm -hmm. idea of self-sufficiency and it's exhausting because even on our best days we can't even hold ourselves together much right. less our families together, our to-do lists. Um, you know, I love Psalm 54, 4. It says, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my life. You know, we are not the ones who sustain ourselves. And even though we like run ourselves into the ground out of the belief that we have to hold it all together. Um, so, you know, we really have to approach our lives with a posture of humility, and that means understanding that God is the one who created us, God is the one who sustains us, and God is the only one who can redeem our brokenness, right? Then none of that comes out of our own strength or willpower. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really important to have a proper view on things. Mm -hmm. You know, the humility that we need, that our heart's posture needs to be, is rooted in the gospel of seeing who God is, that he is infinite, and seeing who we are, that we're finite, and realizing mm -hmm. that it was God's perfect design and order to have it this way, and it's all for his glory and our good. And Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And this he here is Christ. And just recognizing that he sustains the universe and everything else. And when we realize this and embrace it, that is when we will find our total sufficiency in Christ. And that mm -hmm. is when we can truly rest. You know, and I'll be the first to say that you know, this is often difficult for me, especially in like a particularly bu busy season. I'll find myself wanting to sacrifice my basic human needs that are lovingly ordained by God, like sleep and proper nutrition and <laughs> emotional refreshment in the form of like fellowship with other believers. And I want to sacrifice those things in order to do everything on my own in my own timeline. Right. And, you oh, know, yeah. there <laughs> I know there are times when we're going to need to lose sleep, right? Like the newborn right. stage, been through that three times that you're going to be kind of sleep deprived. And, 
You know, there are just many other times, but there are also other times when I just prefer to be in control as if the success of something depended solely on me. And so I won't sleep or I'll run off of junk food to save time to get um, Mm -hmm. things done according to my timeline. But of course, you know, when you do that or when I do that, I become irritable. I'm like not pleasant to be around. I'm not going to be loving. I can't tell you how many days I've gotten end of the day and I've been like, well, I ate a pack of peanut butter crackers, maybe a handful of M&Ms. Right. (laughs) And now I feel awful. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's really clear that we need rest, right? We we need some kind of self-care, but I think it's really important that we are seeking true rest that comes from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, one way that I think that we can approach self-care incorrectly is in believing that we need me time in order to be healthy and happy. Um, And we might think that we need a break from our kids or else we're going to go insane or we need a vacation because if we don't, we will get burned out. And the truth is like those things are nice to have. Don't get me wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not hating on alone time or a vacation. And I believe that those can be wonderful gifts um, when we have the opportunity to experience them. But the truth is that we don't need those things. We need Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when we have this mindset that me time is necessary for our mental health, there are several big problems that I want to hit on. The first one is that we end up putting our hope in something other than the gospel. You know, God doesn't say that you need his grace plus a massage. He says that his grace is sufficient, Mm. which means that it is enough like you don't need a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. You need Jesus, period. Um, <laughs> and you know, sometimes God's grace for you might be that he sends a friend to watch your babies while you go get a manicure. But God's grace is also there for the mom who can't get out of the house. Yeah. Right? God's grace is still enough for you if you don't have the chance to do these kind of uh, these ideas of what the culture considers to be Mm -hmm. self-care. And, you know, when we are hoping in these things, anything that isn't the gospel, anything that isn't Christ, that is idolatry, right? Mm -hmm. That, That is looking to something else to be our salvation, to be our saving grace. And only Christ can do that. And, you know, I think that if, if we want to ask ourselves, like, okay, am I falling into this? Um, am, I, am I going to idolatry in terms of self-care? I think that a good measure of that is to say, okay, when things get stressful or they get painful or whatever it may be, what do you reach for first? Mm. You know, is it that you are stressed out and so you say, okay, my first thing, I'm just, I need a glass of wine once the kids go to bed or I need some alone time or I need a date night with my husband. You know, whatever it is, if the answer to that question, what do you reach for first, isn't God and his word, it's idolatry. And we need to really examine our hearts there. Yeah, that's really convicting because I think, Mm. you know, it could even be like, social media and just using that as an escape yeah. to kind of sustain you and get you through the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, you know, analyzing our hearts, like what are we looking to sustain us even, you know? Right. That's hard. Yeah, it is. I and mean, you know, it's it's one thing to like say in your head, oh, like I lean on Jesus, but like when the rubber meets the road, like what what are you turning to? Yeah. And, you know, another big issue with believing that, you know, this self-care, this me time is necessary for our health is that we are then saying that our happiness is dependent on our circumstances. Um, You know, we may be at a place in our lives where we do have the freedom to get away and enjoy all kinds of different things. But you know what? Sometimes we aren't. Um, And, you know, God's grace is real and powerful when you are at the end of yourself, physically and mentally exhausted, but you have no choice but to comfort a colicky newborn in the middle of the night. You know, God's grace is real. God's grace is sufficient for you when you have experienced heartbreaking 
world-shattering loss, and the grief you are experiencing cannot be remedied by a mani-pedi. You know, God's grace was sufficient for Paul when he was in prison. It was sufficient for Abraham and Sarah when they waited on a child. It was sufficient for the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. There's not a whole lot of the idea, our culture's idea of self-care that can be happening when you're in slavery. But God's grace was sufficient for them, and it's sufficient for you. Yeah, just hearing you say all of that, you know, it prompts me to just want to pray and ask God to search my heart and, you know, Mm -hmm. and also to be real with myself, you know, in the tangible, messy reality of my life, like, where do I turn for strength and rest? And you're right. It can very well be Manny's and Petty's and Netflix and social media in my life. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said of just thinking back about, you know, the time of the Israelites, because then it makes me think of manis and petties and Netflix and social media. That's like a very westernized thing, right? Mm-hmm. So what a reminder to just pause and think about the global church, because, you know, this idea of self-care, yeah. it's like an absolute luxury. And it's actually unfathomable to billions of believers across the world today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, many of those things seen on Pinterest is just so impossible for so many people here in the United States, like our neighbors, and just to be sensitive Mm. and moved, you know, by the actual reality of the majority. You're right. We have to consider those believers around the world, even, you know, our next door neighbors who don't have those opportunities. And we have to ask ourselves, is Christ enough for them? And if we say yes, we also have to realize that Christ is enough for us, too. We don't need these extra things. And so I think that it's clear that the answer is not regular time away, but the answer is constantly abiding in Christ. In John 15, 4 through 5, Jesus gives us a picture of abiding in him. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that is so powerful. And like you said, Stephanie, convicting to realize, you know, even how much we worry about like, oh, can I do all of this? Can I make it all happen? Mm-hmm. You know, Christ is the one who who empowers us. Christ is the one who does it, right? He is the one who causes us to bear fruit. And so, you know, whatever your circumstances, you can abide in Christ. You know, abiding in Christ is not dependent on the amount of time you have on your schedule, or it's not dependent on the amount of financial resources you have available to you. But you can abide in Christ no matter what your circumstances. And later in this passage, Jesus tells us the way that we abide in Christ is by having his words within us and following his commandments. And so I think that what we can see is that we need to find our refreshment in the word of God. This is the word that sustains us, that sanctifies us, and is our delight in all seasons and all circumstances. Yeah, so true. I mean, it just reminds me that God is just, and if something was a need, like self-care in the way that we're talking about or our culture is talking about, like with Netflix and me time and getting away, then God wouldn't be just because like not all believers have that, you know, Mm -hmm. yet he gives them the command also to abide in me, abide in Christ. And, And so just realizing like, You don't need those things to abide in Christ and to obey his commands and to be refreshed and to be sustained, to um, live out the calling that he has given you. Yeah, that's like the kind of thing that we talk about with our kids, right? Like, no, you don't need a snack. You want a snack. Or no, you don't need to play with that toy. You want it. And we're like, why don't you understand? (laughs) But then we need to like look at our own selves and be like, why don't you understand? <laughs> exactly. And when we really look at it, we realize that this metaphor is 
absolutely contrary to the self-care gospel that's promoted by the world today. You know, in the Bible, self-care is depicted as finding everything needed for life in Christ, which who is the true vine, as it says in John 15, 1. And just realizing that that it's talking about a state of being. And so when we say that it's a state of being, we're saying that, you know, the cycle isn't really there of trying hard and then fizzling out and needing moments to treat yourself in order to get back on the wheel again. If it's a state of being and this idea of us being a branch connected to the true vine, Christ, then there is not like a time of detachment and a reattachment. And so Mm. no need to like fizzle out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it's like so much easier just to treat ourselves, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, seriously, you know, when we are talking about abiding in Christ, this is like our whole lives, right? To have lives that are fully in Christ. And sometimes it's just easier to be like, yeah, you know, like I could go and like try and seek God in his word and take some time to pray. But like, I really just kind of want some chocolate or like, I really just kind of want to scroll through Instagram and make myself feel better that way. Like that's a much quicker fix. And I don't say that to be condescending because I'm literally like explaining what goes on in my own heart and mind. Oh yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier sometimes just to take that route. Um, And I think that one danger of self-care that we can see in that tendency is that it can become self-indulgent and self-centered. So, you know, one thing that I think is really important for us to understand about self-care is that we need to look at it as being others-centered and not self-centered. You know, it's really important to do things like take care of our bodies, to delight in God and his word so that we can better love and serve those around us. But it can also be so easy for self-care instead to be totally self-centered. Yeah, I read this blog that was talking about the need for self-care. And it said, you know, you have to set aside time for self-care and basically guard it with your life. It said, do not let anything interrupt that time or change your plans. And, you know, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I was just thinking, man, that is so self-centered, right? That Mm -hmm. is so just concerned with ourselves. And, you know, we were talking earlier about this idea of humility, about approaching our lives with humility, about approaching self-care with humility. And, you know, Philippians 2 is a passage of scripture that shows us what it looks like to be humble. And it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And, you know, I think that sometimes that means that we cancel our mani-pedi because a friend is in a difficult situation and needs our help. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it means that we count our kids more significant than ourselves by giving up our much needed sleep to rock them when they wake up from a bad dream or take care of them when they have a cold. Um, Sometimes it even means like we let our kids or husbands or neighbors interrupt our Bible study or prayer time as we actually put God's word into practice by loving them and caring for them. Yeah, I just love the idea of turning self-care to be others focused. Mm -hmm. And I think really the issue with self-care is this incorrect perspective on things like work and rest and just realizing that both are a gift and both work and rest, you know, rest meaning like self-care, if they're others focused, like that's when we're going to be able to, to not fizzle out and not get disenchanted or disgruntled Mm -hmm. um you know we're not going to be irritated when we're interrupted if we have that other's focus in mind yeah and i think that we can tend to get irritated or disgruntled because we have this belief of like i deserve this yeah right like we need to hold on stop here for a second because first of all no we don't deserve it. And if we have the attitude of entitlement, then we have sorely misunderstood grace. 
Mm. Because the truth is that because of our sin, the only thing that we all deserve is death. But God, Mm, in his grace, has saved us and everything that we have is a gift, right? We don't deserve any of it. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm really glad that we don't get what we deserve. Right. Because if we got what we deserve, we would all be in a really bad position, condemned, right? Dead, separated from God. And, you know, look at Jesus. He actually did deserve everything, right? He actually did deserve honor and praise and glory and comfort and riches. But, you know, he actually willingly laid that down. Yeah. You know, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so, you know, if we have this idea that we are entitled, we have no entitlement to anything, right? It's all been given to us as a gift by the one who gave everything, even though he was entitled to everything. Yeah, and that's really just preaching the gospel to yourself, right? Just reminding ourselves every morning that Mm. we deserve death. That's what we deserved, right? Yeah. But because of Christ who laid down his life, like we can live a grace-filled life. And Mm. I definitely need that reminder every single morning to kind of put me in that right perspective of viewing everything as a gift and, you know, really fighting that entitlement mindset in myself. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think about this popular trend of self-care and I think of other words like self-help, self-esteem, self-taught, self-sufficient and, Mm. you know, all of this self, self, self. And just to realize like, okay, we're actually talking about the essence of sin, which is self-exaltation. And, you know, Paul Tripp said this weekend something that I really liked. And he said the DNA of sin is selfishness. And, you know, as as I was thinking about this self, 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 I was like, okay, like the word self is in selfishness. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we are really to have a biblical view of self-care, that would be to flip everything upside down and say, no, the design that we see in the Bible is to be oriented outward to God and to others, not myself. And, you know, you mentioned a baby waking up in the middle of the night. And I think (laughs) that is why motherhood is so sanctifying and for our good, because it hits at that you know, that spot in us, right? I didn't realize Mm -hmm. how selfish I was until I had kids. And motherhood was such an opportunity for me to really recognize my limits and my need for God. And Mm -hmm. that is why I know motherhood is sanctifying because God is graciously revealing my own sin tendencies, you know, through my kids. Right. Specifically, when I think about motherhood and just running this race with endurance, and I think of verses like Galatians 6, 9, which says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Or 2 Thessalonians three thirteen that says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. And yes, I realize that these verses are not in the context of motherhood, but just the idea that we can continually sow and continually serve others because we understand that we belong to Christ. And, you know, we agree mm-hmm. with Ephesians 1, 7 that says, Serve wholeheartedly. As if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So just realizing that God will reward good things done for his glory when they're done with the right attitude and heart posture. I will say it can get very tricky because the world will tell us, you know, oh, you cannot pour out if you, um, you know, if you have nothing poured into yourself, right? You can't pour out what you don't have. And there is some truth there. 
But there's also error, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right that there is a good bit of truth in that idea. Because here's the thing. It is when we are filled with the truth of God's word that like it flows naturally out of us. And, you know, when it comes to things like discipling our kids, serving in our church, we need the truth of the gospel and God's word to flow out of us. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've seen that picture floating around Facebook. It's a little bit cheesy, but we'll talk about it anyway, of like a cup of coffee that's spilling. And it says like, imagine somebody comes up and bumps into you and you spill coffee all over the place. Why did you spill coffee? Is it because somebody bumped you? No, the answer is because there was coffee in your cup. And mm-hmm. so the idea is like, if you had tea in your cup, you would have spilled tea. And so like when whatever you are putting in, that's what's going to come out. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a little bit cheesy maybe, but there is truth in that in the sense of like when we are pouring God's word into our hearts and into our minds, that's kind of what is naturally going to start flowing out. It's like that idea of gospel fluency that we have talked about. Mm -hmm. But I think that where the error comes in is that the idea of the self-care gospel is not fill yourself up with God's truth and grace, but fill yourself up with time off, relaxation, Mm -hmm. indulgence, coffee, you know, whatever it may be. We have to really push back against that, that belief because you do not have to have me time in order to be a good mom to your kids. Yeah. You need Jesus, you don't need a hot bath and a glass of wine in order to be kind and patient with your husband. You need the Holy Spirit for that. (laughs) And you don't need a break in order to have the strength to make it through the rest of the day. What you need is God's grace. And honestly, that's enough. And so do we have to be poured into before we can pour out? Yes, but what we need is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what gets put in. God's word gets put in. These are the things that we need in order to be able to pour out. Not these, you know, this me time and all these extra things that we would really just enjoy. And, you know, talking about me time and kind of that tension, right? We're saying, you Mm -hmm. know, we need this, but we don't need this. And it could get kind of confusing. But, you know, something that we really need to talk about when we talk about self-care is this idea of self-denial. And mm-hmm. I want to talk about this because I feel like even this can be um, kind of misconstrued or misunderstood. Um, I know even for me, I kind of said that when I, whenever I used to think about self-care, I would just kind of like roll my eyes and be like, we don't need that. And <laughs> I think that can be kind of the knee-jerk response among evangelical Christians, right? That we should just toss self-care out the window completely in the name of self-denial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll hear verses like Mark eight thirty four. Um, which says, and calling the crowd to him, who's Jesus, with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I love this verse because I feel like we don't talk about the cross enough. However, I think we need to think about it a little bit differently when we talk about self-care and self-denial because True disciples of Jesus have reordered the loves of their hearts, and we're saying that Jesus is the supreme love of our lives. And, you know, if that's true, if we're saying that he is our supreme love, then absolutely we're willing to bear the cross daily. Um, And absolutely we're willing to um, deny ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. But this is not the denial of our humanity, you know, like those God ordained limits that he has created us to be this way with these certain limits. Right. Yeah. We're like, we're denying our own sin and we're denying our own desires and we're denying all of these things for the, for the greater affection of Christ. Exactly. We're denying the self, like you said, that says we deserve to treat ourselves. We're denying, you know, the message that I need a massage and a pedicure to continue serving my family. We're saying no to looking to reduce our stress by creating personal space. We're denying Mm. the self that says, you know, we can be little G gods and be infinite. We don't need sleep. You know, we can do it all on our own. And 
we're denying, like you said, the sinful tendency to elevate self. And we're going to choose to focus on others and make sure that our basic needs are met so that we can serve others. Yeah, I think that that's a really good distinction. You know, that denying ourselves doesn't mean denying our basic human needs. Because I mean, even that's a form of pride, right? So like, you know, on the one hand, our pride makes us say like, I deserve X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to have it. And on the other hand, pride believes that we are capable of accomplishing everything and we don't need rest or dependence. So like, it's the same sin that really makes us fall in error on Mm. either end of the spectrum. Um, And, you know, it's just, it really is true that so much of it comes back to our hearts. You know, when we have a heart that elevates ourselves, we can become prideful and try to do all the things or think that we deserve all the things. (laughs) And trying to do everything on our own, like that can lead to burnout. Because let's be honest, we can't do it all on our own. It's truly impossible. And, you know, it's exhausting to try and carry the weight of all of those things that we really can't do on our own. But this is a temptation for all of us to fall into. Um, I think it's true. I think it's a temptation for all of us. And, you know, we, we're we going to end up in burnout. And this is this idea of burnout is so applicable to even believers. Like, I even think of oh, yeah. people in full-time ministry. Like, this is a real mm. reality that oh, yeah. we need to fight against because we're talking about stress here. And I feel like that is kind of a universal problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, some things I think we need to talk about is just being aware of clues that we're burning out um, because, you know, stress can manifest itself in different ways for different people. And it can be physical, like heart palpitations, a weakened immune system, headaches, sleeplessness. Or it could be emotional, like irritability, depression, and anxiety. Or it could be mental, like you can't focus, you're constantly distracted, or you're wrestling with an unhealthy fixation on something. And and the reason why I'm saying like these clues um, is just because I feel like they can serve as reminders that we're not living in, in accordance with God's design. And mm-hmm. this can be a means to sin. So just these can be little markers for us to use to kind of keep ourselves in check and, you know, just to realize that we can also be praying daily that the spirit will convict us um, when we're overstepping because it's a daily battle between the flesh and the spirit. And whether you're a believer or not, like we're not immune to this issue of stress and burnout and, and things like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. we just want to be aware and just to be um, in daily prayer of, you know, coming under his grace. Right. I think that those are really helpful because as you were kind of reading out those like red flags, basically, mm-hmm. I could like think of a lot of those that I'm like, oh, yeah, like I've experienced that. Yeah, me too. Or like general snappiness <laughs> with people that I love, you know, I'm like, ooh, I know I'm I'm letting myself get stressed and I'm like taking on the weight of the world in my own pride when I start snapping at like my husband. <laughs> right. But, like we're all going to be stressed out, but is it like, are we going to sin in that or right. are we going to lean on Christ? And yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're all going to sin in it. But like you said, daily repentance, daily coming back to, and asking the spirit to help us in that. And so, you know, I think that we really need to get like super practical here, right? Like mm-hmm. if Netflix or positive affirmations and like cookies and cream ice cream aren't the answer to our burnout and our stress and our need for self-care, then like what is? How do we deal with the very real reality of burnout? And you know, we've kind of talked about in theory this idea of abiding in Christ and you know this idea of depending on God, but how can we practically practice biblical self-care? And, you know, you mentioned before, Stephanie, we're finite beings by design, and we have to recognize our God-given limitations to take time to rest. But resting doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing or watching TV, but true rest is refreshing our souls in the Lord. Mm, And I think that's a really important distinction. Um, I love this quote from um, Augustine of Hippo. He said, 
You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And so like we need to find our rest in God. So here are some practical steps of how we can start doing that. Number one, rest in God every day. We do that by being in his word. You know, read God's word. Meditate on God's word, right? Ponder it. Think over it. Repeat it to ourselves. Pray God's word. Um, You know, this might mean waking up early to rest, Mm -hmm. which sounds counterintuitive. You know, we might rather sleep or scroll through social media or watch TV, and that might be easier, but it's not rest. Yeah. You know, true rest is not vegging. Um, It's refreshing our souls in the Lord. Um, Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And I love that picture of God's word. His law revives us. It brings life to what is dying and dragging Mm. and, you know, experiencing all this stress. Yeah. And, you know, the second half of that verse tells us that God's word makes us wise. And that leads to kind of my second practical point is pray for wisdom in the way that you schedule your life. You know, like we we can't do all the things. Right. Um, but God promises that he will give us wisdom if we come to him and ask him for it. That's what James 1, 5 tells us. You know, God gives wisdom on when we can say yes and when we should say no. And, you know, coming to him and and asking for this wisdom is an act of humility. Mm, yeah. And I think that it's important for us to do this. You know, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 tells us, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so... Yeah, part of biblical self-care is going to be like practically saying yes to some things and no to others, but always asking God for wisdom and how can I make the best use of the time? Okay, I just read something really funny in regard to this. It was yeah, (laughs) Kevin DeYoung, who is an awesome um, pastor, theologian, wrote like a dozen books, has eight kids and does all the things, but then he (laughs) asked... Pastor Mark Dever, who I really like, he's the pastor of Capitol Hill. And he asked Mark Dever, like, how do you do everything? You know, he was in awe of Mark Dever and all that he does. (laughs) And basically, Mark Dever was like, I don't. I have 24 hours in a day like you do and like everyone else. But, you know, I've just come to the place where I just have the opportunity to say no more. So Mm. basically, you can't do all the things. And um, the people that we think that do, they're actually not doing all their things. They're just saying yes to what God has told them to say yes to. And they're saying a lot of no's. So, And that's an important distinction too, is like, we're not saying like, just say no, like whatever it is. If you don't want to do it, say no. I think that it's important distinction of like, we need to be saying yes to the things that God is calling us to do as we walk in obedience to him. Those might not always be the things we want to say yes to. Like I might much rather say no to serving in my church in this way so that I can say yes to watching This Is Us because I'm way behind. (laughs) I am too. (laughs) Like 11 episodes behind. But (laughs) it's about you know, asking God for the wisdom of how we can walk in obedience to what he's called us to do. Right. So the first one was resting God every day by resting in his word. The second one was praying for wisdom in the things that you do. And the third one is preaching the gospel to yourself. Um, And, you know, we talked about this in episode seven of our podcast, but I think a lot of the time our burnout doesn't just come from having lots of stuff to do, but it's, it's this emotional kind of burnout from carrying the weight of the results of what we do, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's ministry or parenting or work or whatever it may be, we can really quickly become anxious over other people's transformation or safety or well-being. And, you know, we have to remind ourselves of the truth that God is sovereign, mm. that God is the one who changes hearts not us, you know, we may 
plan our course, but God determines our steps. Like the results are up to him. Mm. And you know, that that's really freeing because then we don't have to carry the weight of it because it's not ours to carry. It's God's yeah. to carry. And so we have to preach that truth to ourselves daily. And I love the imagery of just like yoking ourselves. You know, mm. he says my yoke mm-hmm. is easy. And just the the picture of like two oxen like yoked together and like usually they pair them up where it's like the one is like strong and mature and knows what to do and carries the Mm. bulk of the weight. And then it's like, we're the weak ones that are yoked to the, to the strong one. But I love that. Just not even bearing the weight of someone's transformation or, or change. And I think that that one flows out of the first one, right? We have to be in God's word to preach God's word to ourselves. Yeah. Um, And that becomes easier as we, as we abide in his word. Um, But the fourth one, Fourth and final practical tip I have is be refreshed in community with God's people. Um, And this is one that I think that we can be quick to overlook. Um, You know, over and over again, we see Paul, for example, in his letters talking about how his heart has been refreshed by fellow believers or how, Mm -hmm. you know, other people have been refreshed by being in communion and relationship with other believers. And, you know, we are called to live in community with one another. And that means encouraging one another with gospel truth. Mm. And this, this isn't the same thing as just like having a girl's night to get like tapas and wine. Um, But this is like walking alongside each other. Yeah always pointing each other back to the gospel. Um, It's these relationships where we see each other's sin patterns and still love each other enough to call them out. Mm. You know, it's this kind of community that's not marked by competition, but where we are actually for one another because we're all members of one another. Yeah, Um, It's this place where we can be authentic and vulnerable and experience God's care through his people. And this is why I think that, you know, God tells us, don't neglect meeting together, but come together and encourage one another. This is like vital, vital to to our own sanctification. um, And it's vital to this idea of rest and refreshment, I believe. Yeah. And when we consider self-care with the me time and Think about your busy schedule. Like what, those are like the things you immediately want to cut out. Like, oh, I can't, um, I can't afford to go for three hours at that event or or whatever it is. Um, just this, the answer is not more personal space. Be more individualistic. Guard your time. Like, no, mm. we want to, you know, remember that um, the church is depicted as a body, and the body needs right. every member to be healthy to work at optimal capacity. And it's not, and back back to the vine and the branches. You know, it's not like you detach and then reattach <laughs> whenever yeah. it's convenient for you, or like the body. You don't, you can't just like detach and reattach whenever um, it fits in your schedule, right? And can I just say, like, this is super, this is super hard for me as an introvert. Yeah. Like my my go-to is to be like no, like I'm not going to be refreshed with spending time with a bunch of people. I'm going to be refreshed by lying alone in my bed. <laughs> but it's like we said, it's not just about like some exchange of like oh, I'm spending energy or this gives me energy. It's not just about that, right? It's about like this soul refreshing, sanctifying union yeah. with other believers. So just, you know, re-emphasizing that, you know what, proper self-care, biblical self, self-care self is very much others-focused. And you know what, being others-focused is is a fruit of abiding in Christ because John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So the idea that to abide in Christ is to be obedient to his commands. And, you know, when I think of that, I immediately think of what Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God with all of your heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, as I heard you talking, I'm just like over and over again, so amazed by God's grace to us in that, like, when we are living for the glory of God, that is also for our good. Yeah. Like when we are serving others in the body of Christ, 
that's also going to be for our own sanctification. Yeah. You know, and like, even as we do these things that are other centered, like God's incredible, gracious, merciful design, all of it's for our good too. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible and pretty mind blowing to me. Um, But, you know, I think that when we are looking at this idea of self-care and, you know, the need for a hope greater than the world's concept of self-care, that becomes especially evident in seasons where we experience like extreme loss and suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in those times that we experience excruciating pain that chocolate just can't fix. Yeah. You know, that's when we have no choice but to run to God's word, you know, to fall at his feet in total dependence. And my encouragement would be that whether you are in one of those seasons where it's really just so difficult and so painful, or if you're not, practice biblical self-care in the same way that we just talked about. You know, don't wait until everything goes wrong to seek the Lord. Yeah. Um, And when everything does go crashing down, keep running to the Lord and to his word. You know, it makes me think of we had an interview with Kristen Schmucker. It was episode two of the podcast. And she talked about how God was faithful in giving her a desire and a hunger for his word in a season when she wasn't experiencing, you know, this intense grief. And then when she did experience the tragedy of losing her daughter, her first reaction was to run to God's word when tragedy struck because that's what she had been practicing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that no matter what kind of season we're in, we should be practicing that same kind of self-care. You know, don't think like, well, things are okay now. So honestly, like uh, some some alone time by myself is going to be enough. Mm -hmm. Like it might feel like that in the moment, but it's going to catch up. You know, yeah. those things catch up to us and we we have to be going to God and his word. So don't wait until you are desperate. Go now. Be desperate for his word now. Yeah. And just thinking about those seasons of, you know, tragedy or extreme loss, that's when you realize kind of like how ridiculous ridiculous that is, I guess, because consider this, like someone battling years of chronic pain, you know, you're not going to tell them to treat themselves every once in a while to get through that or mm-hmm. or someone else who's like in this intense stage of life, you know, we're not going to um, comfort them by bringing them chocolate. Like that's not enough. You know, we want to right. recognize, you know, people's greatest needs and meet that and, you know, point them to the gospel and say, hey, only Jesus, he is our living hope. And you know what? He's the only one that could carry that burden for right. as long as you need to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, we want to direct people and ourselves to the well of living water and showing them and reminding ourselves that he is the only one that is going to sustain us and to carry us through. You know, he's the mm-hmm. only one that can address those times of desperate needs and and times of just, you know, nothing's really going on, but we want to be faithful. He's the only one that can, you know, keep us on course and to help us run the race with endurance and to run it yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, I think that you're so right that it's when when we have those experiences, when we see people walking through that kind of pain, like we realize like, hey, this whole like surface level kind of treat yourself self-care kind of gospel, it just can't hold up the weight of pain and of sin and of all of the the hardships that we face. And so we need something more. Yeah. Like we, we need Jesus. And, you know, as we close out and as we wrap up, I do want to be sure to say like, hey, we aren't saying you shouldn't have a weekend getaway or take a hot bath of a good book. Like, I truly believe that those things are good gifts from the Lord that are meant to point us back to his goodness. But the gifts are not our hope. Yeah. And the problem arises when we put our hope in these things to keep us going when we idolize them, right? Mm-hmm. Put them in place of God. And 
there are seasons when we can experience those things maybe, but there are also seasons when we can't. But that should not determine our spiritual, emotional, mental well-being. And it certainly does not diminish God's faithfulness or sustaining power in your life. So you know what? Take a nap in the hammock. Sip your chai tea latte while you listen to your favorite music and let those things direct your gaze to the one who is sweeter and who gives greater rest. But don't let those things be your hope. You know, sometimes we taste and see the Lord's goodness through a vacation, but sometimes we taste his goodness through the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, as Isaiah 30, 20 says. And You know, all those things that, you know, we might love to do, that we might enjoy doing, you know, they're temporary, finite, and fading, but God is infinite and eternal, and he is the one who can bear the weight of any load that you are carrying or ever will carry. Yeah, those are great exhortations, you know. We don't have to micromanage, but we can trust in his control and his sovereignty, and we can yield to the God-ordained parameters and acknowledge our humanity. We can embrace the invitation to trust in his sovereignty, power, control, and goodness, and then we can serve out of our rest in him. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Well, we just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. And, you know, our prayer is that you will engage in true life-giving self-care as you abide in Christ and his word this week. Um, And, you know, we love hearing from you all. And we just want to let you know, like, if you have any topic suggestions for the podcast or any questions, you can always email us at podcast at the dailygraceco.com. And honestly, we would really love to hear from you. So we just want to say thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye guys. 